1: What's good boys and girls, welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast, welcome to the new year. It is 2021, and we are still brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so do check out their services at LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. The games are here, so I've got Guy Drinkle with me. We'll bring Guy in in one sec. Just very quickly, Tommy Doggerty passed away yesterday. Former Aston Villa, Chelsea, Scotland, Manchester United, Derby County, QPR, and Wolverhampton Wanderers manager. A legend in the game, uh, passed away at the age of 92, had a very, very good innings. And what a life he lived. Um, a, a great manager, a very good player, played uh, over 300 times for Preston, played for Arsenal, finished his career at Chelsea. Uh, a great Scottish player. A big loss, but, you know, a life well lived. So rest in peace, Mr. Doherty. Take care of yourself. Um, we have 10 games on the slate as things stand, nothing has been cancelled yet, there are some doubt over a couple of the games, uh, including Manchester City, Chelsea and Burnley Fulham, but as things stand, those games are set to go ahead. So Guy Drinkle, Happy New Year bud, how are you?
0: Happy New Year to you too, um, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good.
1: I'm enthusiastic about the new year i'm um i'm hopeful that this year will be better than last year for the world uh i had quite a good year last year i do have to say but i know a lot of people did not and um you know hopefully everybody gets what they want from the new year because i think a lot of people didn't get to live the lives they wanted in in 2020 i think that's fair to say
0: yeah absolutely absolutely i mean Twenty twenty sucked for a lot of people. So twenty twenty one can't be any worse, really. Um But as long as we have got football, we can keep doing this pod, can't we, do?
1: That's exactly it. Look, I, I'll find a way to do it if there's no football. <laughs> Don't you <laughs> worry. I can fill an hour. <laughs> I can fill an hour. Well, the right, will test
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> we've got te- There's the Euros. <laughs> does that no problems. As, does that count as football?
1: it will this year. <laughs> I will make it count this year. Um I'm going to make the FA Cup important this year. It's all going to be done. We're going to cover the FA Cup on this podcast as well. Won't get to see every game the way I do with the Premier League cuz there'll just be far too many in the in the first rounds, the round 3 and round 4. But for me when I was growing up the cup was magic and third round Saturday was huge. You'd always sit and watch whatever games were on. There was always something magical about it. I, I remember and beating Arsenal when Mickey Thomas scored that in, incredible late goal. Um, so for me, the FA Cup does matter. It doesn't matter to my club. Liverpool don't really take the domestic cups seriously, but I think the FA Cup matters and uh, I will certainly be covering it on this podcast. So that's something to look forward to as well. Uh, but we do have 10 games this weekend after what has been... A fairly manic run of games, um, which we've—I think—we've been able to get through pretty much all of them. We have—we uh, have ten games starting today, Friday. Friday football guy, which is always good.
0: Yeah, it's always nice. And obviously, New Year's—it's tradition and all that jazz. And it's great mm. that my Premier League app has listed them um, for today on one page and the rest on the other page. So I just have to swap over. And it is Everton West Ham the first one. What do you think of this one? It
1: is indeed Everton against West Ham. Fourth-placed Everton against 10th-placed West Ham. Both of them have had starts to the season with which they will be very, very happy. Everton have had kind of three seasons in one. They had that first five games where they won four, drew one against Liverpool, and were top of the league and were absolutely delighted with life. Then they went through a really poor run where they won only one game, drew one, No, sorry, they won only one game and lost three of their next four. And then they've bounced back. In the last five games, they have been very, very good. And they come into this game as the form team in the Premier League. They have won four on the bounce. They've beaten good teams as well. They beat Chelsea. They beat Leicester. They beat Arsenal. And they beat Sheffield United. Now, you can say Arsenal and Sheffield United are obviously not particularly good this season. But I do think that win over Arsenal matters to Everton because... For Everton, a big part of what's held them back has been an inferiority complex. Psychologically, they've just gone into games against top teams and thought, we're not going to win this. This year, they've already beaten Spurs. They drew at Liverpool. They beat Chelsea and they beat Arsenal. And it matters that they beat Arsenal because if they can get into the mindset that we can beat Arsenal, then even when Arsenal become good again, Everton can still have that mindset that we know we can beat them. We know we can beat Arsenal Football Club. That matters. I fancy them to win this game. West Ham have been a little bit hit and miss over the last few weeks. Um, only the one win out of the last five games. Three draws. So they've kept themselves steady. Kept solid in midfield. Or in Midfield, in mid-table. I They have slipped obviously from kind of the sixth, seventh, eighth they were in for a little while, but I think anything above 15th will qualify as a successful season. Given the lack of investment in the summer, uh, I know they brought in Ben Rama, but that was on loan with an obligation to buy. They didn't didn't spend any real money. Uh, Kufal has turned out to be a great pickup at right back. They'll have business to do in this January window, but it won't come in time for this game, obviously. At Goodison, I think you'd have to fancy Everton to win this game. And with Calvert Loon in the form that he's in, they're starting to get a few players back as well from injuries. Now they're going to be without Alan. They're going to be without Luca Dina for another couple of weeks, but he is he is on the road back. Hamez is still out. Richarlison is due back, so we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh Gabaman and Delph are both out. But Seamus Coleman is back, which is big. He came back in the last game, came on off the bench. Gives them a full back, which, you know, will be nice after having to play four centre-backs across the, the back line for a couple of games there. But they're they're working back towards fitness with Alan Dina, James and Gabaman. And I, I honestly think if they get Gabamon back in the next month, I do think he can have a really big impact there. He is very, very good. He hasn't had much of an opportunity at Everton because of the injuries he's had. Missed most of last season. He's missed all of this season. But there's a really good player there. And if you can play him with Alan and Cure, there's going to be a lot of teams that won't fancy playing against that midfield. And they will be able to outwork and outrun teams in midfield. And then you unlock Hamas a little bit more as a kind of a floating playmaker. You've got those two up front, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin, who we've seen this season are devastating when they're on form get Dina back if they get a right back in in January um that could be they could be really good in the second half of the season and look they've played with with Meena and um and Michael Keane as the two center backs this season and obviously it has worked both of them have been pretty good but they have Ben Godfrey and Mason Holgate there as their center back pairing of the future so for Everton things are really really bright and uh, Yusuf Atel. Of Nice was the right back I suggested that they should sign in January. I genuinely think he'd be a great fit there. Um, For West Ham, I suggested a left back, Enrico Henry of Brentford. And again, I think he'd be a really good fit there. So both of these teams have bits to do in January, but both can be really happy with where they are at the moment. It's nice for David Moyes to get to return home to the club that, you know, he is synonymous with Everton. His managerial career will always be Everton. What he did there was excellent for a long, long time. And uh, it's it's really nice that he returns home with a good team. He brings a good team back to where he was, you know, so adored. Unfortunately, there'll be no fans, but still, it, it's going to be uh, it's going be nice for him to come back with a good team. I think Everton will win this game. I think it'll be a good game. Um, it'll be a good battle in midfield with Noah Lan, but Suchek and Rice both in great form. I can see Everton winning this game three one.
0: Yeah, this will be uh, an interesting game. I think it's. Um, I think the most important thing from Everton's point of view is they won without Richarlison. You mentioned the mm. the poor form of their. If you split it, what did you split in the quarters of the season so far? It was that that second one where they were terrible, and that was Richarlison's ban, wasn't it? So I know it was only yes. Sheffield United, but it's important that they won without him, isn't it?
1: Exactly, because again, it's a psychological thing that they know they can win games without their best players. They've been, you know, and, and look, the, the last run of games, the last run of wins has come without James Rodriguez. So that's important as well. It's important for them to know they can trust in the squad, that there's good enough players there to come in off the bench, because once they get their best 11 in place, then they'll start to add squad pieces here and there, maybe some younger players a long term successor maybe to Alan, a long term successor to De I know he's not that old, but still you you might want to get somebody in. Or, or, look, Tom Davies has been I think he's been really good this season when they've used him. Gilfie's had a little bit of a resurgence. Um I I, I think I think he's one they'll probably look to move on in the summer because mm. he's on big money and he's not a starter there. But well, Wobey's improved this, as well, hasn't he? <laughs> Wobe has been really good for them. Really, mm. really good. He's stepped up big time. And I think the big thing for Woby is because others are playing so well, there's not as much pressure on him. He's not the big fancy, expensive new signing anymore, so there's less pressure on him now.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think Gilfy's kind of the same. You know, Gilfie for the first two years he was there, I think really struggled with carrying that weight of being the forty million signing who was meant to be the hub of the team. Now he's just a player, and he's playing. He's playing well for them as well. Um. The only player out for West Ham in this game is Masowaka, so they're in great shape from a physical standpoint. They don't have any injury concerns outside of him. He's having knee surgery, so he could be out for a while. But um, I still think Everton should have enough, even with the players they have out, to get a win here and keep up their their top four form.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, West Ham, Antonio is obviously key. I think he was on the bench last game. Uh that seems to ring a bell if he if he's back does that change the dynamic of the game?
1: yeah, I mean he's always a danger. he is always a danger, and he's he's so unique in how he physically is made up and how he plays, but uh, like Mina is the type of defender who'll enjoy playing against him. Mina can match him physically, he has good pace, Keen is playing very well. Holgate's playing excellently since coming back into the team. I think having, you know, Holgate's recovery pace, Godfrey's recovery pace from right back, and then the two physical players at centre back who can match with him, I, I think Everton should have enough defensively to cope with the the threat of Antonio.
0: Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good physical matchup. I mean, if, if Haller plays as well, that'll be good as well. But uh, mm. we'll move on to the next game. Again, this is Friday night. Um, and this one, this could be one of the better games of the weekend. I think Manchester United v Aston Villa. Um, Man United, obviously, in in very good form at the minute. Um, as are Villa. But how do you, how do you see this? Because Villa haven't probably rotated as much as you'd expect as of a team. I mean, Grealish has played every game. Watkins has played every game. D- does that tiredness come into come into effect? But I suppose United have played Bruno every minute because he has to, and Rashford, etc.
1: Yeah, see, that's the thing. I think key players for both teams have played a lot of football. Um, United have been able to rotate in midfield a little bit, and obviously Matic and Pogba started one game. Fred and McTominay started a couple, and so they've been able to keep them fresh. Whereas Villa have had to roll Douglas Luiz and John McGinn out, and Luiz missed a couple of games when he was out himself. So you know, maybe that gave him his little break. I, I think Villa will look at the FA Cup as potentially an opportunity to rest players. United have a hell of a schedule coming up, actually. So they play Villa on Friday. Then they play City in the League Cup on Wednesday. Then Watford in the FA Cup next Saturday. Then they were due to have a week off ahead of the Liverpool game. But the the Burnley game that got cancelled at the start of the season because United had been in Europe at, after the lockdown last year, and gone off into the weird bubble thing. That that Burnley game has been rescheduled for the the twelfth of January. Right. So they don't really get a break. Um. They've also caught up some, you know, bad luck with the with the Cavani news. So that anyone that hasn't heard it, Edinson Cavani has been suspended for three games, uh, for the post on Instagram where he used a certain phrase. Um. He was obviously not using it in any sort of demeaning racial way it was a celebratory post and it's just it's an offensive term to some people it's an offensive term i think to all people in in the part of the world we live in where he's from it's a little bit more accepted so i don't look he hasn't he hasn't disputed the charge he has gone along with it and he wants to educate himself and others for the long run which I th- I think is really good. I think it's important that you know he's made that step and he's made that gesture. It's obviously unfortunate for him and I hope it doesn't tarnish him. I really hope people don't use it as a as a way to demean who and what Edison Cavani has been because he's one of the best players we've had over the last 10 years. He's he's one of the best strikers the game has seen over the last 10 years. He's a world-class player. Who has done great things at at Napoli and at PSG and before that at Palermo, um, and you know he's he's a great addition to the Premier League. Even though I, I still think United bought him for the sake of buying somebody, um, so he he'll be a big blow for this one. But Villa, I think, will go at full strength. I I don't see any other option for them. Uh, Barkley is due to have a fitness test and, and should be involved. Tyron Mings is back. Uh, Trezeguet and Wesley are both ruled out. So, I mean, Trezeguet was starting early in the season, but since they went to the 4-2-3-1 with Grealish as a 10, Bertrand Traore and El Ghazi have both been in really good form and they've both scored a, a number of goals over the last few weeks. And that has really made Villa, you know, a more lethal team going forward. And it's helped because Ollie Watkins hasn't been in the best of form in front of goal. So having those two scoring goals has kind of mitigated that for them. For United, obviously Cavani is out. Marcus Rojo is out. Phil Jones is out. Neither of them matter because they wouldn't be playing anyway. Uh, but Victor Lindelof is also out. And he obviously has been first choice most of the season. But Eric Bailly has stepped in, in the last couple of games and he's done pretty well. Um, bar, you know, what he did to Richarlison, which wasn't the best. Um, I think... I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, I I like that this is a a Friday night game in front of the lights. It's a tough one to predict because obviously United are second in the table. Um, They've been in pretty good form. They've won three of their last five. They've gone on a good run since getting dumped out of the Champions League, which is generally what happens whenever Oli is under any kind of pressure. They are only three points off top with a game in hand, that being that Burnley game, which is a much tougher game now than it would have been, say, six weeks ago. Yeah. Because right right now, Burnley are one of the form teams in the league. Um, and defensively, Burnley have improved immensely over the last six, seven weeks. Villa are fifth. Villa are also in great form. They've won three of their last five, unbeaten in five like United. Um They've got the best defensive record out of anyone in the top six. Second best in the league only to Manchester City. They've got a good attack. They're really well balanced. They're seven points off the top, but they do have two games in hand on Liverpool. One of them is Newcastle, the other one's City, so that you wouldn't you know that you wouldn't call that a gimme. But if they were to win, say the Newcastle game in hand, they would put themselves into third spot in the league, which would be incredible considering where they were at the end of last season. I fancy Villa to get something from this game. I don't think they'll win. But I do think they've got enough pace and movement and the creativity of Grealish to cause that United defence a lot of problems. We've seen them struggle against pace this year and Villa have it in abundance up front. United obviously lethal going forward. Rashford's in good form, Martial's found a bit of form recently Bruno's, Bruno was the best player in the league for 2020 Just on a different level to almost everybody So he'll be a danger of course It'll be interesting to see who wins more free kicks in this game Whether it's Bruno or whether it's it's Jack Grealish Uh, Both of them like to win a free kick And I use that term very specifically They like to win a free kick Um. I'm going to say this is a draw. I think it'll be a fun game. I'll go 2-2.
0: Yeah, I could certainly see that. I could certainly see that. Um, I think that'll be a good game. I'll I'll definitely watch that one. But another one that uh, should be a good watch is Tottenham v Leeds, Mourinho v Bielsa. Defence v Attack?
1: Mm. Yeah, very much defence v Attack. You'd wonder, can Bielsa somehow reach in and drag the old Mourinho kicking and screaming back into the world. Um, Spurs obviously going through a bit of a a tough spell at the moment. Uh, Only one win in their last five, zero in their last four. They were top of the league. Uh, They're now seventh. And, you know, uh, dropping points here could see them fall. Well, they could fall to ninth if, if results went against them this weekend. Uh, Leeds have have bounced back after a bit of a ropey run with three wins out of their last five and back-to-back wins and back-to-back clean sheets in the last two games. A little bit fortunate against Burnley, but um, I think this is going to be a really exciting game. We know that, look, Leeds are involved, so there's there's just no way it'll be boring. Uh, Mourinho will try to make it boring, and I do think Mourinho ball... Is is maybe one of the kryptonites to be I'm going to say Spurs win this game. It's to check who's available. So for Leeds, Liam Cooper is out. Uh Matthias Glish looks like he might make it back. Gaetano Berardi and Adam Forshaw have been out all season. Robin Cock is out for a couple of months. And Diego Loriente is not back yet. So they're they're missing all of their centre backs, but uh Struik, is that his name Struick, the young Dutch center back has been really good since coming into the team Luke Ayling's he's not a center back he just isn't a center back and he all the when people praise him after games it's because of his attacking attributes from from center back none of it's because of his defensive work uh for Spurs Bale is out surprisingly Lucas Moura uh is a doubt Carlos Vinicius and Giovanni De are both out as well um I think, I think Spurs will win this game. I think Kane and, and Son are due to bounce back into a bit of form. They've had a bit of a dip, both of them. Leeds will make it difficult because Leeds make it difficult for everybody and they won't care about reputation or ceremony or who you are or, or anything like that. They will just go hell for leather and try and try and upset you and embarrass you. But I I do think Mourinho ball might just overcome Bielsa ball. I'll say Spurs win two one.
0: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting manager, do, I think. Um, moving moving on to the next game. This might be the the most boring one of the weekend. Crystal Palace against Sheffield United, and I should add, terribly out of form. Crystal Palace against this year's Sheffield United. Um mm. so are you going nil nil or are you going five all because there's no middle ground in that one
1: There's no real middle ground here um Palace no wins in five three draws two defeats it's it, it's not good It it hasn't been great um but they did get uh, a good result last time out against Leicester so they'll be happy with that one Um obviously they got smacked at Villa and then embarrassed by Liverpool but before that you know, they'd gotten the draw with West Ham, which was a good result. The draw with Palace was a good result. They had smacked West Brom, which they'll have been happy about. Um at home, you would expect them to be good enough to beat a Sheffield United team, uh, that is currently zero wins in sixteen. Uh, two draws from those sixteen. Now one of them did come in their last five games, so that was nice. They got got themselves a little point there. But a failure to win in this game for Sheffield United will mean either two points from fifty one or three points from fifty one. Um neither are obviously any any good, but I I don't see I mean there's gonna be there's gonna be games that Sheffield United can win in the next little while, and this is one of them. Newcastle at home on the twelfth Is another one of them. After that it gets horrible for them. They've got Spurs. They've got United. And then they've got City. Then they get West Brom at home. So there's another one they could win. If they could beat Newcastle. And beat West Brom. That would be 8 points. So if they can beat. Sheffield United. That could potentially be 11 points. Early in February. Now it's not good. But at least it gives them a bit of a fighting chance. A little bit of a fighting chance. I think they have to win this game. I really do. I think they have to win this game. How but I don't you been think saying they will. That for a while? <laughs> We've been saying it for a while. We have. Yeah. I mean every game is must win for them at this point, but this is a game they could target to win. They have enough quality to cause Palace a lot of problems, but they're just so shorn of confidence. And the thing for Palace as well is like they have to be careful because if Burnley win their game in hand, Burnley could potentially, if Burnley were to beat United in that game in hand, which could happen at Turf Moor, Burnley could potentially go above Palace. And then Brighton are only you know six points behind, maybe Brighton getting a run of form and pick things up. And then all of a sudden Palace are looking below them and Fulham might be starting to catch them. And then you're in in a bit of a fight there. Um, I think Palace and Newcastle are the two teams that risk being dragged back into it. I think Palace will win this game because they have to, and it's Hodgson, and this is the type of game that Roy Hodgson always drags out a win, and I'm going to say Palace win this game 1-0, with Wolf Zaha doing Wolf Zaha things and dragging the team over the line.
0: Yeah, I think Zaha is He's he's the difference between Palace and relegation, I think, really, let's be honest. But he, he it's just it's just strange I know you're not his biggest fan, but do you do you think he's I don't want to say waste his career at Palace, but what, what do you make of him? Like he obviously had the United chance linked strongly with Everton. for me I think he's better than Everton, but not quite for a Liverpool or Man City.
1: See, I, I think Everton is a is, is would have been the perfect move for him. Um, I think if you play the front three of Zaha, Calvert Lewin, and Richarlison, I think that would be very, very good. Mm. I think he'd be able to explore the whole range of his abilities without having to carry the team. Um, you stick Hamez in behind them, and all of a sudden, all the creative burden is gone, and Zaha can just play with freedom. Um, you'd need, obviously, Alan and, and Gabaman as the the sitting two in midfield to get through a lot of work, but they'd do it, or Corey, whichever of the two of the three, they'd get through that work and they'd give you that platform to play off, and you could be really, really attacking, especially with Dina coming from one side, and someone like Atal coming from the other, Uh, you, you could have a hell of an attacking force. I would actually, I've said before, I I, I like the idea of of him staying at Palace, and you know being the Matt Latissier of Crystal Palace, but he obviously does have ambition to play for a bigger club. I don't think he's at the level to play for Liverpool, for City, for Chelsea, for United. I think it's not that he's not at the level. He has the talent to do it. I just don't know. Like, I think he'd be comfortable at Everton being one of the two or three or four best players. I don't know that he'd be comfortable. Liverpool being the eighth or ninth best player, do you know what I mean? Mm. So, like, Liverpool have six or seven world class players.
0: It's just not world class. Move fell through. Like Evan's it is,
1: but exciting. at the at the same time, like they didn't need him. Mm. Like they they, they they look at like I didn't understand what they were trying to do anyway. They had Pe- they were they were bringing in Pepe. They had Lacazette. They had Aubameyang. I mean, they could have brought Will Finn and played him on the left. And mm. just gone 4-2-4.
0: Was it not Pepe just... or Zaha?
1: No, I think Pepe was happening anyway. Right, okay. Um. Maybe it was Zaha, and maybe mm. that would have been better for them. But I don't know. I, I think Everton, if he is to leave, I really do like the idea of him at Everton. Mm. And I like the idea of them playing a 4-2-1-3 and just saying, you know what, we're just going to go all out here. Like... Mm. I think it would work really well for them. He's they, only they ever would, really they...
0: been linked with Dortmund outside of that, hasn't he? Which yeah,
1: is strange. Which but... would be an interesting one. Mm. Um, I'd quite like to see him and Memphis Depay in the same team somewhere. Yeah? That's something I've always wanted to see. because, Well, in, in part because I'd like to see the creativity of them both, the production of them both, and see how they do together. I, I think... Hmm... And and also, you know, there they're two players that went to United during a weird time for United. Yeah. And kinda of got bombed out quite quickly. I think they'd be good squad players. Or he'd be a good squad player for United. I don't I don't know if he'd start. I mean he probably would now. He could play on the right wing for them, um yeah. and, and be really good. But again, I don't know how he'd react to being the fourth or fifth or sixth best player. Mm. Um I'd like to see him at Everton, I would. But again, I, I really like the idea of him staying at Palace, being that Matt Letizier figure who keeps them up every mm-hmm. season. Like, if he stays at Palace and continues to do what he's doing, they will build a statue of him. Yeah, absolutely. And he forever be remembered. They, they probably if shouldn't went, anyway. <laughs> they probably. If that's exactly it. But if, 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 he, if he went to Liverpool or United or Arsenal, he's just another player. He's yeah. just someone that you'd look back and go, oh yeah, he was good. And that'd be the end of it. Whereas for Palace fans, in 30, 40 years, older Palace fans will be telling their grandkids, I saw Wilf Saha, the greatest player we've ever had. I saw him play. And I think there's something nice about that idea. I think there's something romantic about the idea of being an absolute icon at one club rather than just another guy at a bigger club.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um but yeah, I agree with the prediction. I think Palace should be favorites and pretty obviously why. Um you mentioned Brighton in the relegation fight there. I mean, they're both they're both our they're the team of this podcast, aren't they? But they've been so disappointing, but the recent performances have been better but the lack mm. of goals is staggering.
1: It's worrying. Yeah, it's really worrying. Um and they obviously they've got Wolves this weekend and that is going to be a tough game for them. Wolves are very boring, let's be clear on that. They've got really exciting players and yet somehow they've been very boring this season. But for them a lack of goals is is the big issue now as well with with Jimenez out. Both of these teams need to find a striker. In January, um, yesterday I suggested Maxi Gomez from, from Valencia for Brighton. I think he'd be perfect to play with Mopé and, um, and Troussard. I think he, with his hold-up play, his ability to be a physical presence in the box, his finishing ability, I think he'd be ideal for them. He's got really good movement. He's a clever player. Um, And Valencia are open to a sale, and they won't want mega money for him. I don't think his wages would be insane either. So I think he'd make sense for them, and said Luka Jovic for, for Wolves. And again, I think he would make a lot of sense there with with Adama and, and Neto providing great service, um, and Peden's playing as a ten in the four two three one at the moment. And then when Jimenez comes back, I think you just drop Peden's to the bench, have him as an option to bring on for creativity, and play Jimenez and Jovic as a front two. I think that's where you'll get the best out of Jovic, and I think you'll get more mm. out of Jimenez as well and then Adama and Neto as as out-and-out wingers, I think they'd be really hard to stop, especially with Semedo and Aitnuri bombing forward as well. Like, if they could sort out the centre of their their defence, that could be a really good team. Because Neves and Dendonker, or Matinho and Dendonker, or Neves and Matinho, are all really good options in central midfield. And they've got a couple of others there that they own as well. Um, Like Morgan Gibbs-White for the long term. There's another Portuguese lad I can't think of his name. He was at Lazio. He went on loan to Lazio with with, with Neto a couple of years back. Right. Um, I think they both came through a Braga, and he they both went on loan to Lazio. What is his name? Bruno uh, Jordão, uh, really, really talented uh, player. Yes, yeah. Um. He was he was a Braga with Neto. And they got loaned to Lazio on a two-year loan, an obligation to buy mm. if they played X amount of games. They didn't play those games, and all of a sudden, Wolves were able to pick both of them up on the cheap. and, and yeah. Neto has been a sensational pickup. I think Scherdow is, is really, really talented. He's out on loan at the moment, but he's another one that could, could really give them a boost in, in that team.:
0: I don't They've so much talent for as well. Who? Hoiver.
1: Yes. Like how good did he look in his debut mm. against United? Do you, do you know? So that's another, do so got...
0: well? you pronounce his name.
1: Vitina, he's yeah. really good as well. And then they've got that um They've got uh, Ruben Venegra who's on loan uh, this season. But if yeah. they had him and Aitnuri Nuri as left back options, Samedo and Hoiver as right back options, mm. uh Jardau, Gibbs White Vitania, um, Matinho, Neves, and Dendoncaris, all central midfield options who can give you different things. The two boys out wide, Traore and um, and Neto. Pedence can play wide. He can change the team and play him off the front. And then two real strikers. I think they could be really good if they sort out that central defence. If they could go and buy two central defenders in the summer. You know, there's there's a couple of good Portuguese centre-backs out there. Ferro from from Benfica will be one. Um he'd be, you know, because they obviously they only buy Portuguese players, but he'd be a great addition for them. If they got him and David Carmo or Diogo Lete uh from Porto Ferro and either of those two would and this team would be transformed. They would I think if they could land a striker in this January window, a good striker who can play with Jimenez. And then two centre backs in January. I think Wolves will be a top four team next year. I think they've got the squad to do it. Then, you know, you've got the likes of Bowley and um Roman Sice if they keep him as backup centre backs. You could Max Killman as well as a good young centre back. Um, you could look to cash in on Connor Cody and see if anyone's foolish enough to give you thirty, forty million for him. Because we've seen clubs linked. Um if if Arsenal want to play it back three long term, maybe they'd be silly enough to give you the big money for him. Mm. Um, if if they could cash in on him and turn him into two good centre backs, I think they could re- realistically push for a top four spot next season. And not just push for it, but really compete for it. Like deep into the season, they've got a lot of talent there. And like if if you've got Jimenez and say. Joyvic. then Fabio Silva is just your third striker and he can learn from those so you can develop them slowly, bring him along play him with either um, as I said is and other options, so you can change things up you could become very flexible I, I've said before, I don't know if this team's ceiling under Nuno has already been hit and maybe they'll need to look to move on from him to take the next leap forward um, but there's there's so much promise in that squad. There's so much talent there that they're not far off being a, a real top four team. And I mean, I think that's the, that is the aim for them. They're not spending all this money to just float about in midfield or in mid table. I've said that twice now. Um, they're they're not floating around just to stay in mid table. <laughs> they they want to get top four. Um, yeah. this game is going to be tough though, Brighton. No wins in the last five, but they have taken three draws, which obviously just keeps them ticking along. As you said, the lack of goals is a big concern. They've only won two games this season. They got a good draw against West, uh, West Ham, a disappointing draw with Sheffield United, a disappointing draw with Fulham. So the points are decent, but they need to start winning games. Um, And their run is, they've got a very tough run from here. So they've got Wolves, they get City, then they get Leeds, then Fulham at home, then Spurs at home, and then Liverpool away. That is, that's really tough. The only game you would expect them to win is that Fulham game. But without a goal scorer, it's hard to see how they beat Fulham. Um, Going into this game... They've got a bunch of players missing. Lamptey is out, so a lot of their creativity is gone. Aaron Connolly is a doubt. Adam Lallana, of course, is a doubt. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He hasn't been very good for them. Danny Welbeck is a doubt. He's somehow become their first-choice striker, which tells you how bad things have been up front. If Square Day has been out all season and Andone has been out all season, those two have long-term injuries. But Lamptey is the big loss there. Lamptey is so important to them because they've set the team up to rely on him so much. But it's looking like he'll be out for in a couple of weeks. Um for Wolves, obviously we know Jimenez is out with the fractured skull. Uh Johnny Otto's still out, Dendonker Donker is still out, and Willie Bolly is uh is expected to miss this one as well, but could be back for the next game. Um I think this has draw written all over it. I really do. Wolves, form-wise, one win in their last five, uh, three defeats. Things haven't been going particularly well. They were unfortunate to lose the United game, but, you know, it is what it is. I know they complained a lot about the defeat to Burnley, but I think they deserved that. They got a little bit lucky to rescue that point against Spurs. Um and their their win came against Chelsea, funnily enough, because they were eleventh at the time, so you would have expected Chelsea to beat them, as Chelsea beat, you know, they beat bottom half teams. Um I think this game has has draw written all over it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nil-nil. I I don't see goals in this game. I, I don't know where they'd come from. Neither team has a has a striker of of no Neil Mope is the only player I can see from either team that I would fancy to score in this game, unless Neto rips one in from 25 yards.
0: Yeah, I can't see it being high-scoring. Brighton, I mean, does their safety just depend when or if they sign a striker?
1: It's twofold. Them signing a striker, and Fulham sticking with Scott Parker as manager. Because if Fulham make a change and get a competent manager in there, I think Fulham have the talent to overtake them. I think man for man, Fulham probably have more talent. And um, they're only two points behind. And Fulham do have lads that will put the ball in the net. So I think Brighton need need to get a striker in who can score goals. And they need to hope that Fulham stick with Parker for at least another month or so while they can build a bit of a gap on them. But like I said... That run of games they've got coming up is really, really tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a a strange one because, I mean, they played well against Arsenal, but most people do. Obviously, the results have changed. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned the the recent run of draws. I mean, even if they just turn a couple of them into some into losses and some into wins, it it makes such a difference to the points. But, yeah, it'll be interesting what they do in there. In January, Uh, but we'll move on another team that needs, probably two teams that need something in January uh, West Brom v Arsenal West Brom, good result against Liverpool, and then was it Leeds who battered them Um, and then Arsenal who out of necessity had to play the youngsters and it's it's worked for them
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's worked really well back-to-back wins, obviously the win over Chelsea was huge, and then you know they they got the win over Brighton. I don't know as you said they, they may not have deserved that win, but they they got it regardless. Um. So Arsenal come into this game two wins and a draw from the last five. Um. It's an improvement, obviously, on what we'd been seeing before that. West Brom no wins from five, only the one win all season. Eight points. Things do not look particularly good there. Six points off safety for all intents and purposes because their goal difference is is tragic. Uh, scored 11, conceded 35. They need a lot in January. Go into this game, uh, Livermore is ruled out with a suspension. Connor Townsend is injured. Hal Robson-Cannu is injured. Kyle Bartley is injured. And Kieran Gibbs is injured. Um, you would expect to see the back 10 rolled out again by Big Sam. Uh, Gabriel is out with COVID Thomas Partey is still ruled out with injury David Luiz is a doubt but could be back Same with Willian um, Baki Osaka has a late fitness test but should be okay And Reese Nelson is almost back as well So he's another young attacker they can bring in And give themselves a different option I expect that we'll see the same Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli Behind Aubameyang lineup that we saw in the last game, although Lacazette really is making a strong case to be starting, isn't he? So mm. I mean, could they leave up, Martinelli out? Yeah,
0: what's the question?
1: I think it would have to be Martinelli. I think it has, and I, I think he's maybe the most talented of those three youngsters. But if like go back, you can't drop Aubameyang, so he's going to play on the left if he's not playing up front. They could change the shape, and maybe they could play for this game. Maybe they could play Smith Rowe in central midfield, and play Saka and Martinelli as wingers, and then Aubameyang mm. and Lacazette through the middle, change things up a little well, bit we've again. We've seen
0: Saka in midfield, haven't we? As an eight,
1: we have seen Saka in midfield. I don't know how he'd work in a two, mm. but he has. He has played well in a three. But say Smith Rowe and uh, you'd you'd prefer it to be Al Nani from a defensive point of view, but it would be Xhaka, and maybe then that doesn't work. Um, mm. Guessing parties, you'd yeah, that's the thing. He's he's so good, but they have they've barely had, you know, use of him this season. I I think Arsenal should win this game. But this is the type of game Big Sam loves to take a point from. Like he love the idea of taking a point off Arsenal, regardless of where Arsenal are in the league. For Big Sam it's the reputation of the club. Um it'll be a tough game it won't be a pretty game it's not going to be a game that's going to be particularly worth your while watching i i'm going to say 1-1 i i i think arsenal will win but i'm going to say 1-1 because i i just it's big sam and this is the type of game he he'll, he'll he'll love taking a point off a big off a big team
0: yeah i can certainly see it i can certainly see it um next game then one for the bottom of the table, an improved Burnley team as you mentioned, but also an improved Fulham. I mean, may not be the best game to watch, but possibly the most important of the weekend. I, I forgot. I yeah. didn't realize it was Chelsea, Man City. <laughs> but other than that, then there's probably that one.
1: But but I think I, I do think you're right. I think this game is the most important of the weekend because this is a massive relegation battle. And look, Chelsea and City currently sit sixth and eighth in the table. So Mm. at the moment, all they're doing is scrapping for Europa League spot. Mm. Now, come the end of the season, yeah, those three points either way could be the difference in top four and not getting top four. But for Burnley and Fulham, this game could decide being in the Premier League next year or not being in the Premier League next year. Um, Fulham have drawn four games in a row, which, you know, people seem very happy with. they got the draw against Liverpool. They drew against Brighton, drew against Newcastle, and drew against uh, Southampton. They're not going to draw their way to safety, though. And um, that's got to be a concern. They've only scored two goals in their last five games. So, you know, that that's not the type of form that will keep you in the Premier League. Um, Burnley have been, have been much, much improved. Um three wins from their last five. The only defeat was to Leeds, and that was a very controversial game in which they were denied a stonewall penalty and had a goal ruled out in the same incident and were penalised for a penalty that just wasn't a penalty. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they've beaten Sheffield United, they've beaten Wolves, which was a big win for them. They beat Arsenal, which was a big win. They got a draw away to Villa. They come into this game in good form, and you would fancy Fulham to beat Oh, fancy Burnley to beat Fulham at Turf Moor. They'll be on a big high now as well because they've just been taken over, and there's quite a bit of excitement around Burnley at the moment. You know, there's the possibility that Sean Dyche might get some money to spend in January, um, so they could add to this squad and and beat their way further up the table. I mean, when you look at things, they've gone from after six games sitting on one point right next to Sheffield United. To nine games later, they sit 16th, 14 points clear of Sheffield United. So they've shown like a turnaround is possible. It's probably too late for Sheffield United, obviously. But for them, they have shown how, how good they can be when they're in form. Defensively, they've been really, really good. I think they've got the most clean sheets in the league since like October 19th or something like that. Um picked up four wins and, and three draws from those nine games, that's really, really good. Like they've been in really good form. They need to s- start scoring more goals. Only Sheffield went, Sheffield United have scored less. Uh, so you know the nine goals so far is, is not good. But defensively, only Arsenal in the bottom half have a better defensive record. And if you look at the top four. There's three teams in the top four who've got the same or worse defensive record. So, you know, they've they're doing Burnley things. I think they'll have enough here to to beat um to beat Fulham. From an injury point of view, though, they are missing a number of players now. Johan Berg Goodmanson won't be back for this one, but did make a return in a under 23s game, scored a hat trick, I think. So he's getting close to fitness. Jack Cork is almost back as well, so that will be a big boost for them. Dwight McNeil is expected back for this one. Vidra should make the bench. Jay Rodriguez should be on the bench. Charlie Taylor is out. That's a big blow because he's been really good this season. Um, They do have Eric Peters who can slot in there. And if he if, if McNeil is back, then Peters at left back is fine. Uh, and Jimmy Dunn is ruled out, but he wouldn't play anyway. So, um. The injuries are tough for them at the moment. They might even look to bring in two or three now in January rather than just the one, uh, just to kind of give themselves a bit of breeding room. For Fulham, they've only got the one player out. Terence Congolo hasn't played all season. Uh, he's had another setback, so you know he's going to be out for a little while. But uh, he probably wouldn't start for them anyway. Um, I, I think Burnley have enough to win this game. I'll go Burnley. I'll go Burnley one nil.
0: Yeah, it should be it should be a tight game. I think. Um, next up, Newcastle v Leicester. Uh, we mentioned when we talked about Crystal Palace' disappointing draw for Leicester in that game. Um, I mean, does that just show the importance of Vardy? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, he he is their primary source of goals. Harvey Barnes has done really well and he's he's adding goals this season and and he's he's playing exceptionally well for the majority but when Vardy's not in the team they they don't look the same. Inacho's confidence is just gone. The penalty he took, you could tell before he even got near the ball he wasn't going to score. Um for the tune obviously they they got themselves a good point uh, against Liverpool. They have one win from 5 five points from the last five, they're, they're Steve Bruceing along in the most Steve Bruce fashion. Leicester's form hasn't been great over the last five games. Two wins, two draws, and a defeat. But, you know, the draws will be a little bit disappointing, especially that Palace one. The United one, they were a little bit lucky to get the draw, but at home, they probably would have fancied themselves to win it. They lost to Everton. Now, they did bounce back after a bad run of form. But, you know, they're they're definitely the better team in this game. They've got far more quality than Newcastle. They're at a place in the season where, this time last year, they looked like title contenders. This year, again, they're in the title contention mix. It was about this time last year. Now, it was a little bit later in terms of games played, but it was about this time last year where the wheels fell off for them and they went in that horrendous run for the second half of the season. Newcastle will play a back five with four in front and one up front. I think they're going to compress space and make it very, very difficult. Leicester, Ricardo's still not back. Cheng is under as a fitness test. James Madison is a doubt. And Wesley Fafana is a doubt. So it is tough. That's some key players. And I say back, which is great for them. Um, at least Vardy is fit and healthy. There's, there's no issue over him. For the Toons, that Maxim is out. Lachelles is out. Ryan Fraser is out. Isaac Hayden is suspended. And Paul Dumut is ruled out with illness. I, I'm going to say Leicester win. I, I I can see a draw happening. I could see it being a very dour one all or 0-0 draw, similar to Liverpool against Newcastle. But I, I still think Leicester will have enough, and I think Brendan Rodgers will be ambitious enough to go up there and, and play an attacking brand of football. So I'm going to say Leicester win the game 2-1. Yeah, I think it
0: depends how much Newcastle Newcastle, because even against Liverpool, they had an out-ball, but I think there's like a level, there's an extra defensive level that could put in for someone like Vardy. Um, next up then, Chelsea-Man City. You mentioned that, that the both of them are kind of lower in the league than i would expect, but Man City seem to be improving, um, and the mm. defence seems to be getting more and more settled, whereas Chelsea seem to have just completely flip-flopped in terms of in terms of goal scoring and has become pretty much public enemy number one in Chelsea fan base. Um, they're missing Zayek quite a bit, to my eye. It, it, yeah, it no creativity. Like a, yeah, it's a lot of struggle there at, at them at the minute.
1: It is. It's it's basically like they're trying to open a door by just relentlessly kicking it, rather than you know having somebody walk up and very calmly turn the handle. Um, City are in better form. City have won three and drawn two of the last five. They have the best defensive record in the league. Ruben Diaz has been an amazing signing for them. I said it when he signed. This kid is very, very, very good. And he's been very, very, very good. Um, that, that defense will get even better once Laporte gets back in the team. I know Stones has done okay, but he's still making the City mistakes he always makes. They're just getting away with them. City's defensive record doesn't really reflect how panicked their defence can be at times but they're not conceding goals and that is the main thing. I think defensively Rodri has improved massively in front of them as well and that's that's been an important uh, an important uptick for them Chelsea don't beat teams in the top half. I know they beat West Ham but West Ham will finish the season in the bottom half. There's, there's no doubt there for me um, I think City win this game I think they're, they're in better form. Chelsea have four points from the last five games, which is not acceptable, uh, and Roman will not be happy. And if results go against Chelsea this weekend, they could end the, end the weekend in ninth position, and that may well uh, spark a phone call to Tommy Tuchel. Uh, I think City win the game. And like the thing is, Chelsea are sixth with 26 points after 16 games. Spurs are one spot below them, same points, a game less played. That game less played is against Fulham. You would expect them to win that game, or at least take a point. So that puts them above. City, also sitting on 26 points, two games in hand against Villa and Everton. Both difficult games, both teams above them, but you'd expect them to take at least one point from those two games. So that would put them above them. So... Realistically, while Chelsea sit eight, sit six, they're pretty much guaranteed to be in eighth position when everybody's played equal amounts of games. Um, and I really don't think that's what Roman pumped two hundred and forty million into the team for. In the summer, um, they still have a goalkeeper issue. Mendy is good shot stopper, but everything else is is just a little bit old. They can bum and brag about Thiago Silva all they want. Every time a team picks on him, he just looks poor. He looks great while Zuma's doing all the hard work and he's just sweeping up behind and playing the game with a cigar in his mouth and a pair of slippers on his feet. But when he's forced to defend, he doesn't look good at all. Um, The midfield issues are what they are, what they've been all season. There's nobody there that presents a shield. Nobody there that sets the platform for others to press off and nobody that protects the centre-backs. So... They still have a lot of work to do. Um, I think City win this game. And I think they'll win it in a fairly convincing fashion. They won't wallop them. like It won't be 4 or 5 nil. But I think we could see City win this game 2-0. Have a bunch of other good chances. And just control the game from start to finish. As Pep gives Frank a tutorial on what it is to be a top level manager. So I'm going to say City win the game 2-0. And injury-wise as well, mm. City are getting players back. I mean, they have the COVID issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ederson is one of the COVID cases. That's the big. That's the big blow. Mm. Walker's out with COVID. It's all his fault, by the way. It's his. It was his party that they all caught this at. Is that
0: actually true? Uh, I saw it. There was a WhatsApp. Yeah, he had a Christmas
1: message. party. He had a Christmas party. What a
0: knob! And
1: uh, yeah and he's taken out a super injunction about it. Now, he's got a couple of super injunctions out because he's been a naughty boy. But, um, yeah, it's Kyle Walker. It is Kyle Walker. And uh, and as I sit in Ireland, I'm allowed to say that. So, hi, everybody in the UK. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kyle Walker is to blame for the entire COVID mess uh, that's going on within Manchester City at the moment. Mm-hmm. Gabby Jesus is out, but Aguero's back, and that's what's more important. Aguero's the best striker they've ever had. Uh, Eric Garcia is is on the way back, and Ilkay Gundogan should play, so that's a big a big step up as well. Um, it's nice to have him back. I think he's an important player for them. But you know, Walker not being out, they're fine. They have Jack and Sayo, Gabby Jesus been out, they're, they're fine. They have um, Sergio Aguero, Ederson been out is a big one, but I do quite like what I've seen of Zach Stefan, and I think he'll do more than enough of a good job. Uh
0: it's not a Joe the... Hart or runnerson situation, is no, it? No,
1: exactly. Exactly. It's not it's not runner Alex Runnerson stepping in to throw the ball into his own net. Um chelsea have been so fortunate with injuries this year. Like they've barely had any at all. Zyich has been out a few weeks uh with the tie issue and he's he's got a late fitness test, so he could be back for this game. I'd imagine at, at most he makes the bench. Um and Reese James is expected to miss out with a with a hamstring. So it's it's Aspilia quite that right back, good defensively, hopeless going forward at this point in his career. Just no pace, decent cross with the ball when he gets into the right areas, but he's got no pace to get forward anymore. And if he does get forward, he won't get back in time. So um, that's something City can look to exploit. I, I think City win the game two 0 I think I think they'll be fairly comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they should win, but... If it clicks for Chelsea, it clicks for Chelsea, but... Yeah, I think City are favourites. Um, but last game of this game week... Should maybe be the funnest game of the weekend, is Southampton against Liverpool, and... Southampton... I think they've had a couple poor results re- in, in the last few, but they've got Ings back. I know he was back the last game, but he might be fitter than he was last time. And And Liverpool... We just, we've obviously had some great results like Wolves, Leicester, um, Crystal Palace, and Tottenham, but outside of that, the, these draws are just, just not going away, are they?
1: No, this is two teams that aren't in the best of form at all. Um, Liverpool obviously had the the really good win over Spurs, and then they went and demolished Palace, and they looked like they'd probably run away with the title. And they really should have won their last two games against West Brom and Newcastle. Um, They had more than enough chances against Newcastle to win the game, and the the performance against West West Brom was embarrassing. Um, And if they'd won both of those games, they would be seven points clear. Now, United would still have the game in hand, but they'd still have a four-point buffer there. They obviously drew at Fulham as well. That's another game where they threw away two points. Fulham probably should have won that game, in fairness. Liverpool's performance was a shambles on the day, but again, you look at that, Liverpool could... That would be another two points that they could be clear. Um, so for Liverpool, yeah, they need to cut the draws out and get themselves back on track. For Southampton, they have been in bad form. One win out of their last five. Um, just the one defeat, in fairness, and that was to City. But, you know, the draw against Southampton, I think they'll, against Fulham, they'll be disappointed in. They'll be disappointed with the draw at home to West Ham. Um They'll probably be disappointed about the Arsenal result as well, given Arsenal had ten men for the last half hour. I think they'll be a bit disappointed with that one. Their last win was against Sheffield United at home, which is a game you know, they were expected to win. Um, but they've been a bit wobbly. They have been a bit wobbly over the last little while. Um, Ings will have a point to prove, obviously, because it's the club that that sold him. But they're they're missing Vestergaard. Um. Now, if Salisu was up to speed, it wouldn't be a major deal. But Jack Stevens isn't... He's not very quick. He struggles when he's left exposed. Ryan Bertrand, I think, has dipped this season. I think he's coming towards the end of uh, his prime years. And he's out of contract at the end of the summer as well, at the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see if they keep him in the summer. Redmond is out. So that's one of their you know, I would say better attackers out as well. So, you know, issues at both ends of the field. Liverpool obviously have a have a number of of injuries. Um Gomez, Van Dyke and Matip all ruled out. Uh Nabi Kate still ruled out. Jota and Costa Simicus both ruled out. Dubak, hopefully the start of February. Uh Liverpool have said Matip will be out for three weeks. I would be amazed if we see him within two months. Um, Liverpool always lie about these things. The concern for Liverpool is that it's one of Reese Williams or Nat Phillips up against Danny Ings, and Danny Ings will have them on toast. Fabinho's going to have to work doubly hard. Jordan Henderson has been really poor of late, so that's a concern.
0: Trent against Jimmy Wynaldum.
1: Yeah, I mean, Trent has been so bad this season. If mm. Jennifer's in form, that's going to be difficult. Robertson's been great, Fabinho's been great. The big boost for them is Thiago's fit again. Now, he probably won't start this game, but maybe they can bring him on at half time or even on 55, um, and that will give them creativity and control in midfield. They should have enough. They should have enough to beat Southampton, especially Southampton team, out of form. But it's in Southampton, that is difficult. I'm going to say Liverpool win the game 2-1. I think they'll have enough, and I think... The front three are due to click back into gear as well. They obviously had that great performance against Southampton, but they didn't all play at the same time. It's been a while since we saw Liverpool's front three together all playing well. Um, I'm going to say Liverpool win the game 2-1. Yeah,
0: yeah. It should be a good game, and obviously this is, this is Monday night football. Mm. I think it's the only one on Monday. Yes, it is. So this should be... Prime time television. But yeah, I think this will be a good game.
1: Um it's it this is really good, guy. We get we get a game we get games tonight, game Saturday, game Sunday, and a game Monday. Um and then we get you know the FA Cup weekend, which is I think is going to be a lot of fun. Um so all things considered, I, I, I really think this is a good weekend to football. There's a lot of good games. I think both games today will be very good. Uh the Spurs Leeds game will be fascinating tomorrow. The other three games tomorrow mightn't be great as spectacles. Palace, Sheffield United, Brighton Wolves, West Brom, Arsenal. There's a lot of anti-football involved in some of them. Um, burnley Fulham won't be a great game to watch, but it'll be all right. To Newcastle, it's not... Again, there's just a bit of anti-football there with Steve Bruce. But Chelsea City will be good and Liverpool and Hampton will be good. So there are five or six good games this weekend that will be enjoyable to watch um, and people can sink their teeth into. So that's going to be fun. Um, we want to wrap up with a, f- a few transfer bits. So the BBC, who, again, I'm stealing content from. Uh, thank you to all at the BBC for your hard work. It makes my life easier. They've put together a list of players they think could be available this summer. Or this January window, I should say. Um, So from the Premier League, they've got Paul Pogba. Uh, United obviously have a big decision to make over him. He has 18 months left on his deal. And his agent has said he's unhappy and wants to leave. Um, He hasn't played very well at all this season. So I would imagine he is... Available at the right price for United. Now, I think come the summer, that becomes very much that the, the buying club will have all the power. I don't think anyone will move for him in January. I can't, I can't see a move for him in January. Mesut Ozil, um obviously hasn't played at all this year. Arsenal are desperate to get rid of him. I, I think what we see in January is they come to an agreement and he leaves on a free. Nobody's going to buy him. Nobody's going to give money for him. I, I just think they'll come to an agreement that he leaves on a free. Uh, Delhi Ali linked with Paris Saint-Germain and Everton. Be a bit of a weird fit at Everton. I'm not sure how they'd make that. Or maybe move to a 4-2-3-1, play Hammers on the right, him as a 10, Richarlison on the left, and, and Calvert-Lewin. That could work. That could work. I'd be interested to see that, actually. Um, but yeah, he needs to get out of Spurs. He needs to go somewhere and play. He's, he's far too good to not be playing regularly. Um, I think his attitude has... Has waned as well I think that's that's a little bit concerning Oli Giroud, I would be amazed If Chelsea let him go Because he's so important to them He's their best striker at the moment um, Divock Origi, Liverpool are desperate to sell him And will find a way to get him out the door Fecchio Tamori Apparently available on loan But is is looking to leave permanently now He's been linked with Leeds There's a number of other Premier League clubs That could do with a player like him There's a number of clubs in the continent That could do with a player like him I think Chelsea would massively regret letting him go, but keep an eye on him Um, potentially going on loan this summer and then going permanently in the January window. Adama Traore, been in and out of the team this year at Leeds. I think he stays. I don't think anyone will pull up the money that that they will want. Uh, He just needs to find his form. That's the thing. If he gets a consistent run of games, I think he'll be good. I think he'll find that form. And I think he'll do. He'll do well for them, but they need to keep him in the team. Uh, Zinchenko from Manchester City, linked with Southampton, Wolves, Leicester, and West Ham, all of whom Bar Wolves, all of whom need a left back. Wolves could maybe use him in midfield. He is a he is a midfielder, but he is a good fullback. Um, he'd be an interesting one for West Ham if they keep playing a back three. He would be very interesting there if they keep playing a back three, and of course. They have Yarmolenko there, so they'd have that Ukrainian legend that you know, Zinchenko probably looks up to, who could help him settle in. He's a very good footballer, and I think he's far better than sitting on the bench for a Premier League club. Um Pesima, linked with Liverpool, Man United and Monaco. He is really good, one of the breakout stars of this year. Uh, linked with Liverpool as a replacement maybe for Ginny Wijnaldum. It's a it's a move you could see happening. It really is. Um, I don't think he goes in January. I, I do think he'll go in the summer, but I don't think he'll go anywhere in January. James Tarkovsky, there's not a hope in hell that they that they let him go in, ja- in the summer, in January. Not a hope. Uh, he may well go in the summer when he'd only have 12 months left in his deal, but with the new owners there, they're probably likely to up the wage budget as well as the transit budget, so maybe they'll be able to keep him. And James McCarthy of Palace, who has fallen down the pecking order and, and, and really does need a move to get his career back on track. Celtic, Aston Villa and Burnley named as the clubs he's been linked with. It makes sense that Burnley, he'd fit with how they use midfielders, but they've got a lot of midfielders of a similar level. I don't know if they need them. Um I think that if they're going to get a midfielder, it needs to be somebody who's better than what they have. He wouldn't make sense for Villa. They've already got a a lot of midfielders. They've got better midfielders than him. And for him, it wouldn't make sense. Why leave one bench to go sit on the other? Celtic is the one that would make sense for him. He could go to Celtic and start. And he's, you know, he was born in Scotland. He grew up there, made his debut for Hamilton Academical, came through their academy. I think he'd be better off going back to Scotland. Uh, EFL players, championship players linked with moves. Um... Josh King, he he's definitely leaving. He's got six months left on his deal. They will have to sell him. I think I suggested him for Newcastle. I think that would be a good move for him. Emi Buendia, linked with Arsenal, Atletico Madrid and Valencia. He's not going to Valencia. They've got no money. The owner won't spend. Peter Lim wants everybody sold and wants the club running a shoestring. Um, I don't see him fitting in at Atletico Madrid under under Simeone. But I did suggest him for Arsenal if they want to stick playing 4 one he would work as a number 10. And Matthew Saronolo of MK Dons, um, who's been a breakthrough player this year, young defender, linked with Leeds and West Ham, definitely one to keep an eye on, definitely one who's going to attract big offers this year. But I don't know that he's ready for a move to a Premier League club. I think he'd be better off staying either at MK Dons or moving to a championship team. He's got very little experience. He's very, very young. He's quite slight. And physically, I don't, don't think he's really up to a move to the highest level yet. But West West Ham do need a left back. So it makes sense. He's been linked there. And Leeds, Leeds love to sign young players. If he goes to Leeds, he'll just get put into the under-23 system and they'll, they'll develop him. At West Ham, he might get chucked into the team. I, I, I think that could go badly. Um, In Scotland, Odds and Eduard and Alfredo Morellas. If you're looking for a striker, there's two really good ones in Scotland. There really, really is. Um, If Wolves wanted a striker and and Jovic isn't available, Eduard would be a great signing. He might even be a better signing than Jovic. Uh, I think Alfredo Morellas' best fit in the Premier League would be Leicester as the successor to Vardy. I think he is. I think he is Vardy with a little bit more mental, um, a pressing type striker, really quick, run, make great makes great runs in behind, a good finisher, lots of needle about him, an absolute pain in the backside to play against. It would be a big big blow for Rangers to lose him in January, but I do think he is one that's available because he's been trying to force his way out for about a year now. And then across Europe, they've got David Alaba. Uh, he's obviously had a contract in the summer. Low, every club wants him. Every top club wants him. So I, I think he'll end up signing uh, a, pre- a pre-contract to move in the summer. Papu Gomez is definitely leaving Atalanta. He's been linked with a bunch of clubs around Europe. He has said he will tell the truth about what's happened between him and Gian Piero Gasparini when he leaves Uh, Big fallout between captain and manager there It's been disappointing It's part of why they've had such a weird start to the season Um, Player I love A player I'd like to see come to England But I don't imagine he will I don't know where he ends up But it's probably going to be the Middle East We may have seen the last of him in in European competition Christian Eriksen He needs to get out of Inter Milan Everybody knows that I would guess he ends up at PSG If Pochettino ends up there That would be my guess Hasam awesome Hour, he's not leaving in January. Just put that one to bed. He's not leaving in January. Le- Le- Leandro Paredes, a very talented player. Not the best fit at PSG because of the presence of Verratti. But he's a player, if you're looking for a creative central midfielder who can be a bit of a shield, but is mainly... if you put. An energetic box-to-box ball winner next to him, he'd be really good. He'd unlock his passing range, and he could run your team for you. Uh, Isco's obviously been linked with Arsenal Everton. Don't sign him. Just don't sign him. Wages are mental. They'll want money for him that he's not worth, and he just doesn't run anymore, so don't sign him. Uh, Diego Costa, I think I think he's going to end up at Wolves. I think he'll be a short-term signing for Wolves. He has been linked with Arsenal, but I don't see that one. Morgan um, Barisha from RB Salzburg. I'm not sure if you're knocking on Salzburg's door, why you wouldn't be looking at, uh, Pat's Daca, but Barisha is, is very, very good. He's had a good season. This is his sort of breakthrough season. Um, I think he ends up staying there till the end of the season. Renato Sanchez, obviously Lille are in major financial trouble. He is going to attract attention. He's a, a Jorge Mendez client. So there's obviously the potential for Wolves to sneak in there. Maybe Mourinho can use his connection there to bring him to Spurs. He'd be a nice fit next to Heusberg. He would be a really nice fit. I know I suggested Bubakari Samara yesterday, but Sanchez either. Either of them would work. And then Arcadia's Milik of Napoli, out of contract in the summer. Hasn't played at all this season. Left out of the squad for the Serie A and the Europa League. Um, linked with Juve, Roma, Fiorentina, Everton, and and Spurs. If Everton wanted to bring in a, a good quality striker who could, you know, compete with Calvert-Lewin and, or, or worse, be a good backup, he'd work. I suggested him for Fulham, and I think I I stand by that. I think, I think they could get him at a small fee. Give him a six month deal with the guaranteed kicker of a three or four year deal to come after it if they stay up. If not, let him go you you've yeah, you've lost out on five million and whatever wages, but you know you don't want to carry that type of contract down into the championship um I don't think he'd sign with you on a long term deal with the relegation situation, so I think that's the only way you could make that deal work six months guaranteed four year deal if you stay up, and you get him for you get him for a bargain price he's very very good. Um, And I wanted to end today then with some gossip because that's always fun. And again, the BBC have provided me with this. It's great to have these minions at the BBC who just correlate all of this and I just come along and steal it. Uh, Manchester United are interested in Aston Villa midfielder Jack Grealish and are weighing up a bid for the England International in the summer. They've been interested apparently for a couple of years. I don't see where he fits in that United team. He's not going to get in as a number 10 because they have Bruno. He's not going to play on the left because they have uh Marcus Rashford I don't see it I don't I don't see it. I don't think it's the right move for him I think he's better off staying where he is Everything I said about Will Saha earlier applies doubly to Grealish because he's never left uh, he went to the championship with them he came back up um I don't know that he'll ever be the the greatest player they've ever had because they've had some cracking players in in the past and obviously they you know they won a European cup so they've had you know they've had great teams um, but I do think he can become an absolute icon there, and they adore him like their fans absolutely adore him he, he can do no wrong in their eyes, if I was him I'd stay there, uh, Netherlands midfielder Ginny Wijnaldum has made it clear to Liverpool he wants to sign a new deal, but the two parties remain divided over terms as of today he can sign a contract with other clubs I was free to talk to other clubs and he can sign a contract with them at any time I, I, think, he's, I think he's going, I, I do I, I think he's going, unfortunately uh, Liverpool have have been in talks with the agent Of Sven Botman Who expects the Reds to make a January bid For the Lille centre back I think this deal will happen I think he is very very good It's it's the deal I want for Liverpool uh, him, or, him or David Carmel Either one I'm happy There's a few centre backs out there I'd be delighted with But I think this one happens This is from Duncan Castles Who has kind of tenuous links to Lille In that he's obviously very close to Mourinho and through that, he is on good terms with the director of football at Lille. He has gotten a couple of Liverpool things right in the past. He was the first one to go, to have the Bouvatch news when he was leaving. So maybe, maybe he's right on this one. Um, Tottenham fear France goalkeeper Hugo Lloris could join Paris Saint-Germain in the summer. And they're already looking at potential replacements with Sam Johnston of West Brom. And Dean Henderson of Manchester United possibilities. Henderson makes sense. Johnston does not. He's, he's nowhere near that quality. Nowhere near that quality. Uh, Rajkovic of Stad Reims, lads. That's who you should go and buy. Um, Juventus midfielder, Sami Kadira, who's out of contract at the end of the season, is in talks with Everton over his prospective move. Do not sign him. Can't run. He just he can't run. No. You You need players in midfield who can run because of the lack of running from Hammers And Sami Kadira cannot run. You're going to need extra players. You need to play 12 players to make up for the fact that he can't move at all. Um, Arsenal are keen to bring Isco in for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, no. No, just don't do that. Just just don't do it. Arsenal and Greece centre-back Sokratis is close to an agreement with him for a move to Fenerbahce. Makes sense. Arsenal don't want him. He doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, yeah, on you go. Manchester United have activated England midfielder Jesse Lingard's one-year option, and the 28-year-old's contract now runs until the summer of 2022. This is good. It's good for him. Good for them. I think the loan in January is the move for him. And I said yesterday, Sheffield United would make a lot of sense. He'd get regular game time, be a chance for him to play away from the pressure that is Man United, get his career back on track. He's had a very tough couple of years, kind of on and off the field and um it would just be good to see him back playing football. Wales winger Daniel James will leave Manchester United in January West Brom favored to sign him. That is some from some random Spanish site how they know this I don't know. Uh it would be weird if that he did leave uh given he's just kind of got his way back into the squad. But um yeah maybe maybe he leaves. Eric Garcia has reached an agreement with Barcelona to join them on a 5-year contract when his contract with City expires in June and the Catalan Giants may try to complete a deal in January I don't understand the hype over him I really don't um, Oriola has dismissed suggestions that Borussia Dortmund and Norway forward Erling Haaland will join Barca should Emi Rosad win the club's forthcoming presidential election so the funny thing with Barca is whenever there's a presidential election and the same thing with Real Madrid the contenders, they come out or they leak out that they've got all these deals in place with all these players, and most of them have never even spoken to anybody about these players. It's so funny. There's such strangely run clubs. Mino obviously hasn't been offered the big bag of money. Because you know, unless Mino's getting the truck backed up with you know the doors open and the money pouring out, he's not doing any deals. Uh, Real Madrid apparently still confident that they'll sign Haaland. They have no money. Are they going to buy him with hopes and dreams? No. Um, Carlo Ancelotti has confirmed he wants to sign Robin Olsen currently on loan from Roma on a permanent deal. Put him in your team then and show him you want him to stay. Um, Chelsea have joined AC Milan and Nice in expressing interest in Strasbourg defender Mohamed Samikin. He's very, very talented. Very, very talented. Another one of these exceptionally gifted French centre-backs that just, they've got so many of them at this point, it's ridiculous. Uh, he's a France under-20 international. He's been really good for Strasbourg since breaking in. And uh, what is a bad team? Uh, West Brom want to sign Middlesbrough's former England under-21 international, Duncan Watmore. Um, I don't know what to make of that, really. He's, he's not going to keep you in the Premier League. I really don't think he's going to keep you in the Premier League. Why would they want to sign him? I don't understand why they'd want to sign him. I really don't. He was mediocre in, the, in League One for Sunderland. I know he's done pretty well for, for Burris in signing there. But it's, it's one short run of form. Why would nobody should pay money for him? That would be ridiculous. I I don't understand. Uh, QPR. Oh, he's on a free. Oh, because he's he's on a short term contract, isn't he? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. He only signed from I think mid November till the end of this calendar year, so he's on a free. Still, open up the purse strings a little bit and sign some real players. Um, leave Watmore where he is. He that he's a championship player at best. QPR are ready to sell. English midfielder Bright Say Samuel after failed attempts to tie him down to a new contract and West Ham are monitoring the 23-year-old, very, very talented player. Um, no surprise that he's turned down the contracts. Um, I think he's said horrendous abuse from the, the fan base as well online. Very, very good player. Would make sense for a couple of Premier League clubs. Don't know that he's a, a starter-quality player for Premier League who can add something to the squad. Um, Sheffield Wednesday manager De- Dejfan Chan-Ciri, I think it's Dejvon, Uh plans to bring in a new manager as soon as possible, but has not yet drawn up, drawn up a shortlist and will press ahead to make signings himself if a new boss is not appointed. That will work out really well. There's nothing that does better than owners signing footballers. Always works out well. Always. Yeah. I don't see anything that could go wrong there. I really don't. Sheffield Wednesday, they really are the epitome of a well-run club, aren't they? That fella is bananas, is what he is. <laughs> Absolutely bananas. Barnsley boss Valerian Ishmael has confirmed the Tykes are close to signing Norwich City's English striker Carlton Morris, who is currently on loan, at MK Downs, he's pretty good. He'd be decent signing for, for Barnsley. Um, Celtic are vying with Genk to sign centre-back duo Ben Davies of Preston and Philadelphia Unions' Mark McKenzie. Well, look, if Genk are in for players, you know that they're talented. Um, I don't see that Ben Davies at 25 is a gank type of signing, though, because normally they people like McKenzie, twenty twenty one, that's their wheelhouse. They get them in for a couple of years, they develop them, they sell them. Ben Davies would be a really good signing for Celtic, though. I, I, I do like him. He's been really good at Preston. Um, Retired midfielder Jimmy Bullard says he left Fulham in 2009 over a clash of styles with former boss Roy Hodgson and his backroom team. Uh, great. Why are we hearing about this 11 years later? Who cares? Like, genuinely, who cares? Um, lastly, Mikel Arteta understands Sam Allardyce's concerns about coronavirus, says the Premier League does not need A two week break, of course he says it His team have found a bit of form now He's delighted with life He doesn't want a two week break He doesn't want to give ownership An opportunity to have a look at things And think about it Of course he wants them to keep playing Poor old Big Sam No support Uh, That's it, it's a little bit of a long show today But it's the first show of the new year And it's a Friday, what else are you going to do over the weekend Other than listen to me rabbit on uh, thank you, as always, to Guy Drinkle for his input in the podcast and his work behind the scenes. Thank you to Fox Haunt for the title music. And thank you to you for listening, as always. Uh, tell a friend, just do me that one favor. Do me a New Year's favor. Tell a friend about the podcast. Do a retweet on Twitter, whatever you can, and let's, let's grow more in, in 2021. Uh, I'll be back on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.